Welcome to season two of Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a confidence life coach, comedian, and mother of two. I invite you to join me bi-weekly for confidence tips and interesting chats with my guests who work in fields that help develop confidence. And sometimes with people who have a personal story to share of how they were able to break free from fears that held them back from living their life with confidence and purpose. In my previous two episodes of Breaking Free, I discussed some of my favorite books and talked about how reading can increase your confidence in many areas. Well, one area that I didn't touch upon on was how powerful reading can be as a tool to inspire and help you find your purpose. I can't think of a better guest than Mustafa Salame, who found inspiration from reading and became an explorer, inspirational speaker, fundraiser and author himself. He's the only Palestinian Jordanian and one of only 20 people to climb the seven summits and reach the South Pole and the North Pole, known as the Explorer's Grand Slam. He skied Greenland from north to south, and his next big goal is to run seven marathons in seven continents in seven days. Hi, Mustafa. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show to share your wonderful adventures and accomplishments with the listeners of Breaking Free. Hi, Rania. It's so lovely to be with you here. And, um, you know, you always inspire me yourself with everything that you've been doing. Oh, thank you. That's nice to hear. I'm really excited to ask you about the story right from the beginning, really. And I've been rereading your book, Dreams of a Refugee. It's brilliant. Um, it's described as an extraordinary story of faith, bravery and perseverance and definitely is. And such an honest book about your experiences and your thoughts, which was so refreshing as well. I definitely wanted to be totally honest on, you know, because that's everything that I did. It's it's made me the way I am now. And uh, uh, and that's that's something I really wanted to share the story real without hiding anything. Exactly, because I think when you can become a heroic figure, it's like people imagine, oh, I can't be a hero. I can't do those things because I have human qualities or make human mistakes. But realizing a hero is a person that's human, that makes mistakes, that does the same sort of things that we we all do and experience, but that's what that's what leads you to to grow and to experience new things and perhaps become that hero. Absolutely, and you know, I tell you something. When I uh, when I completed the South Pole, we were just finishing the uh, the Dreams of a Refugee. We published, and then we were doing the the, the paper uh, uh, um, uh, copies. And then I met His Majesty when I came back from the South Pole. And he asked me to that he's going to write the forward for my book. And I was terrified because I thought, oh, no, he's going to read all this stuff. And then <laughs> is, uh... he gonna, <laughs> is he really going to do it after he reads it? Yeah. But, you know, but he did. He did. He did write the forward, which was, you know, which was uh, I was very, um, you know, very honored. I mean, I think when we translated the book in Arabic, uh, they had to rename some of the stuff that I did in 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 a very polite way so <laughs> mm, yes yeah but and, yeah. and um I mean not many authors can can say that they had a king write a forward for their memoir maybe none how did that come about <laughs> well um, I mean I mean it was by you know it was by chance I was saying uh, after I came back from the South Pole I didn't see his majesty's since, since 2008 and 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 then I, I've just done the, the Grand Slam so it was really I, I did a presentation for 10 minutes for him I was talking about everything publishing the book and and he said you know did anybody write any forward I said no not not yet he said well I, I am gonna write the forward for you and I said you know that's that's absolutely amazing so that was really um you know, that's that was incredible. a big surprise and incredible. And, yeah. you know, and I, I thought that was very kind of him. And uh, yeah, so that was amazing. But I'd, I'd love to hear and for the podcast listeners to hear how as a child who grew up, first of all, in a refugee camp in Jordan, uh, a Palestinian refugee camp, and then later moved and struggled in Kuwait, 
how you got to that point where your dream of a life in England and and afterwards you dreamt of climbing Everest, how that led you to the first time just going up to the king and asking him for his support. So can you take us through and just start with, because it's one dream after another. I mean, other people would think, oh no, that's, you know, that's crazy. I could never do that or I couldn't ask for that or I couldn't achieve this. I love that this book just shows there's yeah. no no in your agenda. And because of that, you really do manifest these things happening. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, um, you know I was born um, with, with two parents who were refugees. Um, you know, there is 11 of us because, you know, that was the, the trend. Uh, all Palestinians what a trend I as, mean as, your as father many... had so many siblings himself and then you had yes, and then you went yes. to live with your aunt in Jordan who had how many 18 18 18, 18. crazy <laughs> that's why that's why they couldn't find the room for me I had to sleep in uh, on I had the to roof. Sleep in the roof <laughs> yes yeah. so yeah but I think you know what I, I, I think uh, you know I had a lovely you know, my dad, my dad was a, a lorry driver in the morning and then he was in theater in the evening. He was doing lots of theater uh, about the Palestinian uh, struggle. And then, you know, my mom was the, you know, the the, the one who looked after us, who, who, who made sure that we were doing our homework and stuff. So we had a very strong bond in the family. And, and, and I think this is what uh, shaped my personality as well. And, you know, I was so involved, uh, even in the refugee camp, you know, I was I was doing when I was nine years old, I was working, I was selling a suite in the street of uh, the refugee camp when we came from Kuwait to Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working in um, a news agent when I was 14 in Kuwait until I, I finished school. So I always wanted to. Um, I don't want to rely on anybody. And I, when I wanted something, I always thought I have to work hard to get that. I have, I have to do it. I have, I don't want to rely on anyone. And, um, you know, that was something that I always believed in. Now, you know, when I, um, when we moved to Kuwait after the, the war, uh, to sorry to Jordan after the Gulf War. I mean, you know, my dad lost everything. We went to Jordan. We didn't have any place, and we rented a big, big uh, uh, flat. And then I, um, I start working. I, I've just finished my high school, and my dream to go and study, but uh, I couldn't. And my, I said to the, I said to my dad, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. And then I start working as a waiter. Uh, in different restaurants in Jordan. And really my dream is to come out because I thought I can help my whole family better if I go uh, anywhere. And uh, um, yeah, by chance, I was working in a restaurant called uh, the Swiss Tavern. So they used to sell Swiss food. And uh, yeah, somebody, I was waiting in the table. He said, uh, where is your blue eyes from? I said, oh, my, my mom is from Yafa. Uh, and then he said, do you want to go to London? And I said, yes, I would love to go to London. He said, my brother is the Jordanian ambassador in London, and he's looking for somebody to come in the house, clean, you know, make coffees, you know, do all this stuff. And this is when I moved in 1992. For the first time, I get in the plane, and I I arrived in London, Heathrow, and then I was taken by the 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 staff to the Jordanian ambassador residence in Belgravia place, like, you know, very, uh, yes, very, something very, out of a film. <laughs> very, very bosh. Okay. I was, I, you know, they give me a room in the basement, but you know, the room was definitely better than anything. But it was a basement in Belgravia. <laughs> in Belgravia. Yes. <laughs> but so, it didn't turn out to be the ideal like you had hoped. And you, eventually had to leave and came back to England to to live there illegally for 12 years. I did. Tell us I a did, little and... bit about how you didn't let anything stop you from achieving dreams and continuing your education and then giving back. Totally. I mean, you know, I mean, that being in England was a dream for me, but 
I think what I was doing in, uh, in, in ambassadorism turned to be more of a slavery. So I thought, okay, I, I came here to learn something. And the main things is to help my family, yes, but I wanted to do something for myself. So that's why I decided, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I went to Jordan and I had one month in my visa. And luckily, I was able to enter the country. And, and uh, you know, uh, it was Sunday in 2000 and three and um i came in and i i didn't know absolutely anybody most of my time in uh, mbc and by chance um met this guy palestinian who live in putney and he said he have a room that's uh, now how can, you met I him i must stop you was he was the taxi driver and he, you literally he was, just he, met he and then moved in didn't you <laughs> Absolutely, he was the taxi driver, and you know he, he was he, he was talking to me, and he said, you know, and and um, in Arabic, and I said, yes, I said okay, come on, come on. So, and I explained to him, and he said, listen, I have this room. I work as a taxi driver, but he's been studying uh, computer science, whatever. And he said, you know, I would love a company, and then I can make a little bit of money to uh, uh, towards the rent. He said, you know, the first month you don't have to worry about any rent. Find a job, and then. Uh, so this is when I arrived to uh, Butney and then I went to East Sheen and I um, I found uh, a job in another Palestinian, uh, uh, a restaurant called The Naked Turtle. It's a wine, jazz, you know, fine dining restaurant. And uh, the guy, the same, I went in the restaurant, I said, you know, I'm looking for a job. I said, what do you do? I said, the waiter. He started speaking with me in English. I couldn't speak absolutely no, not not much. You know, how old are you? My name is Mustafa Zalami, and you know. And he said, I can put you in the kitchen until your English is, is good. You know, maybe you stay for six months, one year, but that's going for five years in the kitchen yeah. because it took me time to um to learn English and you know, I couldn't go to college on a sub, but you know, I was working double shift. Well, Mustafa, I loved you saying in the book where you learnt your English mostly from in the kitchen was the Sun newspaper <laughs> and Sesame Street. Sesame Street, yeah. <laughs> it's not because of the beige, it's not beige tea, no. it's just because it's so easy. Yeah. It's just, it, was, it was easy to read. Uh, but yeah, Sesame Street, well, I used to get up early in the morning at, at uh, Sesame Street started at seven and I, I had a pen and paper and then I was writing 10 words three sentences then I go to the kitchen I put it in the front of me at the dishwasher and then I practice it I tell people and then I practice it again and this is how I learn English this is how and then I get the newspaper every day I go through everything little by little you know and then I start reading books in English and then you know little by little I, I've, I've taught myself yeah, how to speak this English is just because... so inspirational for anyone to hear that really nothing nothing stopped you not language not visas not you know um, opportunity or money if you believed in something you just went for it things would come your way that would make it possible and you had a perseverance 100%. that just make that made you just keep going um, which is so admirable so so tell us how you then in Edinburgh did continue your education and you had to lie sure. to the admissions officer um, but it worked <laughs> and you managed to <laughs> and you managed to do your course i did i did i did uh, I, I i wanted to be a home student because i couldn't afford the international student it's too expensive mm. and uh, yeah, and it works. I mean, you know, Scotland, um, you know, gave me so much. It's my, it's definitely my second home. Is you know, I always feel home when I'm I'm in Scotland. And and you know, when I moved to Scotland, I moved because of you know, for brave heart and because of Mel Mel Gibson and and brave heart talking about freedom. And I always thought, you know, my freedom is my education because this is how I grow up. My dad always says, you know, your education is the most important thing. And, you know, and I, I did save enough money to, to do my education for four years that, you know, I can work part time and then I can do. And, you know, um, I, I finished my um, degree in, 
international hospitality and tourist management. And um, initially, I went to university, Queen Margaret, to study drama. That's what my, uh, but uh, it didn't work. Mm. So um, uh, the, the the teacher suggests that I should stick with hospitality. And I thought, you know what? I want, <laughs> I want to travel the world. And the best way to do it is if I become a general manager for a five-star hotel, I'm going to be able to travel the world. And this is what I aimed for. So I did really well at university. Sheraton took me, trained me, and I become, um, in, in four or five years' time, the, the director of food and beverage manager, which is a high position uh, anybody can take in five years. And then I know I had three years, four years at the most to become a general manager. And then... I thought, okay, I'm going to start moving around uh, the world working as a general manager. Yeah. But, you know, all this changed. Incredible. But what made you go from hospitality and being a general manager and thinking that was your aim, that was your goal, that's that's what you wanted to achieve in life, to waking up one day and going, no, I want to climb Everest. Take us back to that. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you see, I mean, the whole thing was a dream, really. I mean, I've never, ever been in a Stephen bag or been interested in outdoor. You know, when I was a kid, until I was 16, I was I was doing boxing. That's the only sport I always loved. That's the only, because I always looked at Muhammad Ali as my hero. I always wanted to be a hero like Muhammad mm. Ali. And, and, you know, and I, I think... Um, you know, this dream, I wake up about in January 2004, three o'clock in the morning. I was completely sweating. I was so sweat. And then I saw myself very real in the top of the world praying. And, you know, I went straight, got up at three o'clock in the morning, went in, uh, in the kitchen. I sat down. I Googled the highest point in the world. Everest came out. I thought Everest was in America, you know, Nepal. I've never really heard of Nepal before. Mm -hmm. You know, Tibet, I've heard of Tibet and, and some uh, uh, film and a book that I've read. But, you know, I never knew anything about. Uh, and, you know, my friend and I straight away the next day, I was in the Sheraton. My friend came to have dinner. We were opening a restaurant called Santini at the Sheraton. And I told him, I said, listen, I, I, and he said, you know, are you on something? And I said, no, honestly, that night I wasn't on anything. So, um, and, you know, and this is, was the, the start of it. I mean, you know, Edinburgh, I mean, I, I, I didn't have any fitness at all. I mean, my only fitness is on Sunday night when I go to taste, uh, it's uh, uh, an amazing uh, dancing uh, house, yeah. dancing club and stuff. And I used to go there and, you know, dance all night. And yeah, then I thought that was recover. amazing. Like you're a heavy smoker, you took drugs, you um, didn't have yes. a healthy lifestyle at all. And then no. you have this vivid dream Yeah, and you follow it. You don't question it. You follow I, it. No, I follow it because I knew there was something more into yeah. it than just the dream. And you know what, um, you know, Rania, I think I think the book I was reading, you know, I was, I was, there is Jibran Khali Jibran. There is, um, yes. you know, there is a book, there is, there is a, uh, he, he really inspired me. He was one of the inspiration because, you know, the way he, and I always remember what he did, how he did it. And I thought, you know, it's nothing is impossible. And then I go to uh, uh, Cavello and I, I've read, uh, you know, when I read The Alchemist for the first time, when I moved to Edinburgh and I didn't know anybody there and I wanted to go to university and I was so excited. And, you know, in The Alchemist, there was this story about, you know, Santiago, about this shepherd and what he did. And, and th these characters has shaped yes. the way when that dream come, I thought, you know, that's that's what I need to do. And that's mm. what I'm destined to do, because I always believe I always believe in my destiny. But in the same time, I always followed my heart all the way in every single things I did in my life. Mm. That's why you, when you follow your heart, <laughs> when you follow your heart, you always, you know, you always mess up your life. <laughs> but but you will always be happy because you will always do more and more and stuff. You know, I don't need to think about it. I know what it is. My thinking will come 
It's how I'm going to make it, how I'm going to do it. Yes. It's not like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. No, it's how I'm going to make this happen yeah. and how I'm going to change, how I'm going to do it. And, you know, and I, I, I started I started with the change. I, I, you know, I started reading about Everest and uh, going to Google and stuff. And I said, you know, that's what I want to do. And. And then, you know, I went to, to Jordan to try to convince anybody to look or write one single article in newspaper or stuff. And, you know, everyone thought I was mental. And, you and know, this was before um, you even nobody... trained, right? Yeah, oh, before I trained. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, how I'm going to do this is too expensive. So, and then, you know, I had an idea and I thought, you know what? And, you know, it was something with... Uh, uh, Christopher Columbus and you know and how he had the dream and he wanted the the funding and then in the end uh, uh, the queen of Spain uh, Isabel uh, sponsored him and I thought you know what I need to I need to get to the king this is where I'm going to get the sponsorship and then everyone going to believe in me mm. and that's what um, I started doing I started going into everything that King Abdullah was doing the speeches and I quoted some stuff and I contact uh, the, the Scotsman and, and this guy used to come to the Sheraton and have dinner there. And I said to him, listen, would you write an article about me? He said, you know, what is it? I said, you know, I want to climb Everest. I want to be the first Arab to climb Everest. And he said, did you climb before? No, I explained. He said, okay, no problem. Uh, I'll, you know, after a bottle of wine I gave him, he said, you know, I write the article. And that's what, uh, that's what, uh, that's where he sent the next day somebody to come. His name is Stephen. Yeah. He's, he's a photographer and stuff. And he said he wanted to take a photo. Uh, uh, I have to go with him at, uh, to Arthur's seat. And Arthur's seat is, you know, a big hill in Edinburgh. I mean, the only time we used to go there when we, when we were smoking looking up. for mushrooms and stuff yeah. it's smoking up now <laughs> it's taking some magic mushroom and and you know he didn't know where we were but you know this is the first time you go there and then he said oh you need to climb this bit i said listen i'm i'm totally afraid to fight i can't hold this he said are you the guys who's going to climb oh Everest? my god said, you were said, afraid said, of height <laughs> oh i was afraid of height and then he took one photo he had to lay down on the floor <laughs> so the photo looked really good so the next the next day at the scotsman i have you know all my friends calling me and said what is going on and i said this is what happened so nothing happened from this article and then i knew the king read the sun Time. And this is where I wanted to go and get a contact in the Sunday time, somebody to write uh, an article. This has happened. Joe magazine wrote an article about me. They put it in the front uh, cover. Yeah. And this is when I had the phone call. I was at the Sheraton. And I always remember, always remember, we had a massive banqueting uh, uh, lunch. Uh, it was a big meeting. And I had this um, uh, phone call. So the, they came to me and said, oh, you have a very important phone call coming from Jordan. I said, okay. So I went to my office. And then this guy, he said, you know, my name is this, this. And, you know, um, why are you writing? Because I wrote all these quotes. I took the quotes from His Majesty. And I said, His Majesty, beast, the king, climate for the king. Because what was the, what was the, oh, the headline was climbing for beast and for the king of Jordan. <laughs> so it's a very strong thing. So he said, you know, why, who are you, da, da, da. You know, he thought, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to... Uh, I'm going to come and just uh, take some money from the real palace and, and mm -hmm. run away. So, and I said to him, I'm, I'm not a minister. I wouldn't do that. So I, um, I went, I went in there and um, I, I had a meeting with them and this guy who's been to every space camp. And I thought, Oh my God. And he was asking me all mm -hmm. this question. And I said, you know, listen, you know, this is what happened. This is what I want to do. And then he said, listen, you know, while we are in March, you said, because I have this program from a company in, in Sheffield called Jagged Globe, and they, they, they specialize with all the climate. And the plan was to go to Merabeek in April. It's 6,000 meters. And then go to Lakbari, which is south and south, south and 1,000 meters. And then go to Denali, which is the highest point in North America, in Alaska. And then this is when they said to me, 
you do the first training, the second training, if you climb the highest point in North America, we're going to take you seriously. If you don't climb it, I would like you to take all the stuff that we bought you and we never want to hear from you again and you should not ever write anything with uh, about his majesty's name. I said, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. So, you know, they give me the, the money and then I went to an outdoor shop in Glasgow. I've never been in an outdoor shop before. I had the list. I gave it to Guy, Guy, Guy called in short, we friend now. And he said, you know, uh, he was asking me what carabiners, what harmless. I said, listen, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is what's in the list. Just give it to me and then I'm going to go to Nepal next week. So I arrived Merabik. I did Merabik. I didn't make it to the summit. I was feeling sick. Never slept in the bag before. Then straight to Lakpari in May 2004. I had a snow plane because I keep taking this uh, goggles because I didn't know what to do with it. And then I end up in America in June 2004. And you know what? That was the most important climb, and I made it to the summit. And this is when they took me seriously. And then all the news was coming in the newspaper in Jordan and stuff. The king office was very happy, and they said, "Okay, let's uh, go for it." And you know, give us what you need to do. And you know, and then I start training, and, and I spent some time in France and in Switzerland, and, and trained properly. Did all the technicality. I've started learning more and more. And it become more of a passion and become more of a spiritual journey for me than anything else. Wow. Yes, that's literally the embodiment of uh, fake it to make it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that. But how, how did you have enough boldness and courage and belief in yourself to go ahead knowing that you had a fear of heights, that you weren't fit, that you smoked, Mm -hmm. that you've never done this before, to go that far with it, to make promises, to to meet with the king, to get the equipment, when you don't know 100% within yourself that you can do it, other than this dream felt very, very vivid and sure yeah where can you tap into that kind of boldness and courage do you think i mean you just you just said it it's believing in yourself and i think the believe i mean you can you can do absolutely like everything you can imagine it in your head is real it's that what we imagine is real you make it real or you could keep imagining it as as much as you want and to make it real you have to have the tools so you know i quit smoking i start training you know i went back train 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 do everything that i can to to let me reach that goal where i'm going but you know there is a there is always a, a beautiful thing that if, if we want to make any change around us and make an impact, we have to start with ourselves. And this is what I did. I start with myself. I I did everything that I want. And as I said, like believe in, I always followed my heart and I believed 100% that I'm going to make it. That's why everyone around me believed on it. And, you know, and I, I remember when I was in yes. Alaska and I get to Alaska and I told the guy, I said, listen, this mountain is the most important mountain that I'm going to climb in my life. It's going to be more important than Everest. I have to climb this mountain. I have to go to the top. And I did. It wasn't easy. It was tough. But I, mm-hmm. I, I stood in the top. And, you know, if, if I can go back in 2000, in June 2004, I can't really remember much. If I didn't have the videos and photos, I don't really know that I made it or not. But, you know, that was the turning point in my life. And, you know, anybody can hear us here, you know, can, you know, anything, anything, absolutely anything you want, you can absolutely achieve. And, you know, the, the tools is that you believe it, you believe in yourself, you follow your heart, and then you're gonna work really hard to be able to do it. Yes, it's about really changing the mindset and and believing in yourself. And I think you could trust in yourself and your dreams because you had proof that when you dream of something, you put precise tasks and goals ahead of you and you actually do reach them. So you wanted to move to England, it happened. You wanted to go to Edinburgh, it happened. You wanted to continue your education, you did. You wanted to become a general manager, you became one. So you've got proof and trust in yourself that when I put my mind to something, I can achieve it. 
And one of those things is maybe a simple example, but I think it's a really good one of you deciding you wanted to play certain pieces of music on the piano when you didn't know how to play. (laughs) And you could only rent and afford to rent a piano for six months and you were going to do it in that six months. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So, you know, when I moved to Edinburgh, I didn't really know anybody, not a single soul. And uh, I lived in this uh, little basement flat in Mentor Street in Edinburgh. And then um, I found a job, a part-time job in a restaurant. And then there were this piano uh, shop and I went there and I said I wanted to rent a piano he said well yeah uh, you know we're in Chile I said listen I can't afford the yearly but I can pay I think it was 300 quid for six months um, and then um, uh, and I I, I I've rented they, they deliver it and then I always all my life I wanted to play Moonlight Sonata and 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 the first movement and the third movement. This is what I always want because it just it gives me so much um, imagination. And uh, so I went and found a teacher, and then um, she was seventy years old. And I said to her, "I want to learn." She said, "Okay, this is how we do it." We learn. I said, "No, no, no, no. I don't want to learn anything." No, 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 you have to learn how to uh, read the music. I said, no, 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 I don't need to read the music. You just need to teach me more light sonata. That's it. I don't want anything else. And yeah, six months later, I was able to play more light sonata, the first and the second and the third movement. And, you know, I still can play it. And that was, and then I've retained the piano and that's it. That's, that's why I want to Amazing. Play, yeah. It's It's just incredible how, you know, your your life started out with very few opportunities and how you educated yourself and how you read inspirational books and one of them being the Celestine Prophecy, I think, oh, as well. I love that. It was an amazing oh. Yeah. And um, now you inspire others with, with your book, your children's book, which is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. You sent me a copy thank kindly for my children. You're very welcome. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. Thank you. And, um, you know, it's a great idea to inspire children from a young age to see an example of someone, you know, yeah. who has come out of a refugee camp and has achieved these amazing things and has explored the world the way that you have. And now a TED speaker, you know, um, there's so many things that you're doing. You're giving so much back to charity as well. So I'm interested in talking about how climbing isn't the passion of your life. The passion of your life is changing people's lives. Absolutely. And yeah. How did you realize that that was it? I mean, even when you said that you were inspired by Muhammad Ali, yeah. that makes sense to me because he was like a people's person. He was giving back. He was helping people. He was motivational and inspiring. It wasn't just about the boxing. No, no, absolutely. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of a level parallel with what you're doing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, since, you know, I always wanted to help my family first, my mom, my dad, my brother and Mm -hmm. sister, give them a school, change their life. That was my focus. And then, you know, I think when that dream come and I, I I knew this is where my destiny is, but I knew far more that what I do is not just about climbing mountain and take the flag to the top. It's not. It's really try to inspire, especially, you know, our side of the world, which is the Middle East, uh, you know, in Jordan, the Palestinian. Uh, I wanted to make that little different. That's why when I came back from Everest in 2008, I climbed, I went to the top. I was there in, uh, you know, in Jordan, Independence Day. And, um, you know, it was amazing. I came down and I was knighted by his majesty. And, you know, and then I thought, okay, what I'm going to do, I can't go back to uh, to hotel business anymore. You know, to, and, and this is where I decided that, you know, I should go to university and do my master's degree in outdoor education studies. Try to understand climbing and try to understand this word in academic way so I can pass it. I can start writing the books about it. I can tell people more about it in in in, in our part of the world. So that whole thing was um, helping from the beginning of my life, helping myself 
And I think if you want to do absolutely anything as well, is you know when you help yourself, you'll be able to help people, and and you have to you have to have that um, you know a, a human goal. You know you have to have that human because you become a human being when you have that. You know we all are human. But when you start doing something good, you become a human being. And and that's what I always, and this is what gives me pleasure. This is what really, this is, you know, this is my passion because people think my passion is climbing. It's not, you know, I, I go to the mountain. I mean, you know, you stay in the tent, you go and, you know, if you go, if you are in the South Pole for 60 days and you, you have to go to the toilet in, in a little bag and you have to close the bag and, and carry it with you all the way, that's not fun. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. so you know, I think the goal that I put myself, and I think climate for cause is where, where I started in Jordan and in the Middle East. It wasn't climate for cause. It wasn't there before I started the first time when I visited uh, um, King Hussein Kassi Center. And uh, I was doing this uh, talk to uh, uh, some children. And then the nurse said, oh, there is one patient she's 11 years old she can't come out her immune system is very low would you do uh you know a five minutes talk for her? i said yes of course so i have to wear all this stuff to be sanitized and i went in with my laptop and i was showing her all the stuff about everest and and you know she changed my life completely and then this is when i found out that my passion is now completely different not just climbing it's climbing for cross because she said to me how long did it take you to climb Everest?" she said you know 72 days how long did you stay in the top i said oh, 45 minutes and uh, what did you use i used you know robes and stuff and she said you know what i've been climbing my own Everest in the past three years and every time wow. i come to the hospital i am in the top of my vein for hours not just 45 minutes and, you know, I think, you know, people like you can make a change and can help. It's not just about you. It's about other people. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she put tears in my eyes. And this is when I started at lowest to highest for cancer. So from 2012 to 2021, I was able to help fundraise more than six million dollars now to different charities and you know and then I, I took the first guy in a wheelchair up to Kilimanjaro I took a blind guy to Kilimanjaro I took you know and I did lots of fundraising to refugees to UNRWA to uh, refugees Syrian refugee in Lebanon uh, Palestinian refugees um, mental disabilities blind society and you know and more more uh, uh coming for charity and that's that's what really this is what's incredible. yeah this is what fulfill me 100 percent. yeah because yeah, i think a lot of people can lose sight of why their goal is to succeed at something perhaps you know it becomes more about the wealth the fame the proving things to people but it feels inside like they're not fulfilled or there's an emptiness. However, when you keep that that human side to it, why am I doing? What is the bigger why? Then it becomes fulfilling and powerful and meaningful, like you're explaining, um, you know, and you're making such an impact in other people's lives. So, so many people live in fear of failure and it's the one thing that holds them back. But you choose to embrace failure as a component of success, hard work and commitment. And you can you say that fear can be a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, how can others yeah, understand that more? How would you explain that to others that fear can be a good thing? And failure is a good I think thing. I think you have to believe that there is some things in your life they might not go your own way and because it's not the time it's not it it's not the time for you to do it so if you can accept mm. that and you think you know what is not there is something better coming my way i went to everest in 2005 i didn't make it to the summit because i had less than 5000 feet uh, after climbing for two months and I had a bleeding ulcer I might be able to continue and do it but I don't think I'm going to make it down so I came down in 2007 I went back again and I didn't even 
reach camp one and I had uh, um, a dislocated reps and I was coughing a lot and I had to leave. But 2008 came and I climbed it in style. I had the experience. I stopped in the top of the world in Jordan Independence Day. I was with what's now my best friend, Lakpa, who's the only human to paraglide from the top of Everest. And, you know, things was on the right time. I think if I climbed in 2005, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be where I am now. But because of that failure, and then if you have the failure, you need to stand again and do it. But you need to have that goal that is bigger than you to be able to uh, uh, overcome uh, your fear because you know we and I think also which is very important when you follow your heart you can easily overcome your fears but when you start following your mind with every single things and analyze it this is when the fear will control you mm, exactly so following your heart is love overcoming fear and the only thing that can overcome fear is love absolutely I mean you know love uh, all we need is love this is what's the the beetle was the first <laughs> the, the yes. first band I because <laughs> you know when we were in, in, in Jordan and stuff in restaurants and you know we knew Michael Jackson and we knew yes. uh, we knew another I think Elvis Presley and Michael Bolton that's it. This is the only mm, Michael this is the only people yeah. we knew. So I didn't know anything. <laughs> so when I get to the Beatles and then I love John Lennon, I read everything about general, his philosophy, his what he said. And I think definitely, I think when you have the love of anything in life, I think you can overcome absolutely anything. And we can know that, you know, when you are in love with somebody, you can see everything is beautiful around you. And I think if you're in love, uh, if you are in love with what you do, in love with life, in love with every single thing that come in your way, then I think you can definitely, you know, go so far to anything you expect to do. And I'm telling you this from, you know, from experience. I've never, ever skied in my whole life. And I always scared from skiing. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to do down... Uh, and and then when the when the king asked me, you know, will you do the polar adventure? I thought, oh yeah, why why not? Uh, maybe I'll learn how to ski. And then I the first time I skied in my life was in 2014, and then six months before I skied the North Pole, and a year and a half before I skied the full distance of the South Pole. So, I mean, that can tell you that we as human can do absolutely anything and we can go so far but we have to have you know we have to accept we have to also you know the spiritual you know anything spiritual around us we have to take we have to take all the you know everything that come into our life we have to take it in and uh, treat it with love and then you know and if it's proved the, if you're doing something and it proves that you know it's not worthy of your love, then you can just leave it and move on. You don't have to, you, yeah. you don't have to go back. But it starts with opening your heart, trusting, and opening your heart so that love can come in. But fear usually is what shuts us down. You know, no, if I do that, it'll make me vulnerable. If I do that, people take advantage of me. If I do that, then uh, you know I'm not being as religious as people say I should be. All these fears that are in the mind, like you say, shut down the heart. Yes. And if we open up the heart and we let love rule, it really does take you on the path that you're meant to absolutely, be on. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, you nailed it there. And, you know, this is what Khalil, you know, uh, Gibran, uh, Khalil Gibran said. This is what uh, Edward Said said. This is what, you know, all these beautiful, amazing writers who made a massive impact in, in, in our life that uh, they all follow the same path. It's all about the heart, you know, you, you go to any. And not everybody, not everybody who's moved by these books actually take action. I love that you just take immediate action. You know, you you discover the Beatles, you you know they went to India, went to you're going to explore <laughs> <Okay>. India. You <laughs> watch Braveheart, you're going to go to Scotland. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what helps is taking the action after you've been inspired. There's no point you just reading a book, being inspired and doing nothing about that's, that's it. That's what my best friend Caroline always said, because she introduced me, her and another friend called Steve, and mm. they introduced me to these folks. I mean, imagine I've never heard of Gibran Khalil Gibran. I'm an Arab. I've never heard of him. I've never heard of lots of stuff that, you know, they, yeah. they, they and they always said to me what you just said. It's like you've you've read it, you've gone and done it, and we've been reading it for so long, but we didn't do anything about it. So, you know, and mm. I I like I think you know action is what's um, you know if you wanna if yeah. you wanna do you, you have to have the action and action is it doesn't come to you. You have to go. You have to work so hard and train and do everything and and you have to be very disciplined. Uh, and you have to have a red line, you know, you have to have this, you know, principle, you have to have a red line that you will never cross. And it doesn't matter what opportunity. And there is lots of opportunity that came to me in a way or another. And I had to turn down some of them, which was maybe uh, big things will happen to me in my life, but I have to turn it because it it doesn't go what what I believe or what is my principle of how I uh, I was taught. You yes, know? if you start going against your values, you've lost the whole uh, plot uh, with the heart uh, thing, the love thing. It starts feeling not right, and things just don't don't really um, blossom. Absolutely, and succeed in the same way. Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, Mustafa, I'd love to talk to you all day about this, but I think people need to hear about the 777. I love the James Bond photo. I really don't know which which picture to choose for the cover of this podcast episode. They're all amazing. Um, and there's so many things that people can join with different climbs around the world that you do that's on your website. I'll put all of these um, links in the podcast notes. But tell us a little bit more about this 777 and where the idea came from and when it's going to happen. Sure. I mean, you know, 777 for Palestine, the idea came after I finished everything that I need to want to do. And, um, you know, I took the Jordanian flag to all the seven summit, North Pole, South Pole. And then I think the idea came when um, last year I was on Everest and uh, uh, there were uh, lots of things that happened in Palestine in April. Um, and what was the Israeli doing? And, and, and I think this is where I thought, you know what, all my life, since I was a little kid, I always, you know, watched all these plays that my dad was doing about Palestine. And I always wanted to do something for Palestine. And I thought that is the time to do it now. This is the time where I can, you know, do a massive challenge and then talk about the Palestinian food, the Palestinian culture, the Palestinian, uh, uh, some of the Palestinian personality, writers, uh, activists, um, and then show it to the world, do a, a little film where I... Uh, run, let's say I start the first marathon in Antarctica, I'll finish the marathon and then, you know, I'll have this Maklube or Msakhan or Maftur and I said, you know, Maftur, it's a Palestinian guy and then, you know, we have seven international Palestinian chefs who each one of them will do one of this uh, recipe and they will talk about the history of the recipe. Hummus falafel is definitely Palestinian, it's never been Israeli, but we need to get that to people to understand it. I'm going to talk about all the 23 cities in Palestine and we in each uh, continent I'm running. I'm going to wear uh, a t-shirt and then there will be three cities with how the population and how big they are and then each city will will also each continent will present i'm going to talk about rasan kanafani najil ali kabuchki fadwa tuqan i've shoes seven personality i would like to highlight and let people know about and then also music then would be uh, seven international musician. One of them is a great friend of mine. is a very known DJ who's gonna uh, mix one of the Palestinian songs and it's like a techno house of music, and um, you know other other people. So 
this this one's going to be in December 2023. This is when uh, it will take. So I have, I've been training for the bus year and I have another 13 months to go to train. So training going to be different. It's not a mountain. It's going to be marathon. I'm, I didn't do marathon before. You know, I maybe done one or two marathons in my life. One of them I couldn't finish because my knee busted and the second one I I, I managed to finish it. But now my training is completely, you know, I got up at five o'clock in the morning. I do my prayer, my, uh, all the stuff, um, you know, my spiritual being, I finish it for, uh, by six o'clock, I'll be in the gym and I'll do my run, I'll do my training. And, you know, I, I sleep, you know, I, by 9.30, Rania, or 10, I'm absolutely... I can imagine. Yeah, 9.30, 10 o'clock, I'll be in bed, cab early in the morning, do all my training. And in the same time, you know, I still take people to the mountain. We go do some climbing. I do some work here and, and there. I do some talks. Um, you know, I've just finished uh, uh, writing uh, a book called Rihlatul Sa'ud Wal Irtiqa in Arabic. And it's going to be the reference because in our Arabic language, we don't have much about mountaineering and equipment and the history of the mountain and how, you know, all the different type mm. of the mountain. So now we have something. So, uh, you know, any universities can use this book as a reference. So this is the new book that came out in Arabic. And then also there is uh, in the 30th of October, I'm going to publish my second children book uh, about Kilimanjaro, about Africa. I will definitely send you one for your kids. And um, yeah, so being busy doing other stuff and, you know, enjoying and, and enjoying my life. Incredible. And you're a family man with three boys, I, I, I have believe. Four, four boys. I have four boys. <laughs> four, four boys. boys. Yeah, yeah wow. and inshallah, <laughs> we, we might have another. <laughs> I, I want a girl. I, I want a girl. Four boys is enough. So... <laughs> I can't even I can't even imagine how you can juggle family life and being with your wife and kids and also doing all of this, probably in the writing periods when you're writing the books. But uh, sounds like a lot of it is climbing. You can always find mm. you can always find the time and, and make the effort to take responsibility and find the time. And I think people who are involved with your life, they have to understand what you're doing. And and, and that's yeah. going to make things so much easier for everyone. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people always tell me, what is your dream now? What's your dream? And I always say, you know, I'm living my dreams i've been living my dreams since 2004 and i will keep living my dreams i will keep doing what i'm i'm, I'm doing and and trying to change life and make an impact and you know that's that's what uh, that's that's the best gift of life that you will be able to give something because one day you hopefully will receive everything that you did 100 percent. thank you so much mustafa it's been such a pleasure to talk to you I wish you all the best You're very with welcome. all the endeavors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I enjoyed your uh, podcast very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.